Suzanne Flynn. I'm a master healer who works with all earthlings to reunite them within themselves and with each other, regardless of the dimension they're currently in. Meaning, I'm a medium as well as an animal communicator, medical intuitive, and channel for all beings. I use the tools of shamanic journeying and soul retrieval to support animals and humans as they heal from past trauma. I'm certified as a Reiki master teacher and as a canine massage therapist. This is the Animals I View podcast. that I have mentioned in past podcasts, the trait of high sensitivity, which in a nutshell is the hardwiring of the body's nervous system, so that the threshold of stimulation for the nervous system is lower than the other 80% of people on the planet. And so if you happen to have a body that has the trait of high sensitivity, your body perceives that more of energetic information in the fields of energy that surround it, and therefore you, at any given point in time, is all of the information that you need in order for the body to stay healthy and happy on the planet for as long as you're supposed to be here. And so the the body with the trait of high sensitivity says, as compared to someone whose body doesn't have the trait of high sensitivity, if you visualize, say, two containers of energetic information And they both hold the same amount of energetic information. And if you're hooked up to one of those containers and your body doesn't have the trait of high sensitivity, the body will pull in maybe half of the container, maybe half, and it'll just kind of leave the rest of the half out there. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just how the body happens to be hardwired neurologically. When you look at the other container, the body will go, oh, wow, yeah, I think we need about three-fourths of that container of information. Because again, the body has a lower threshold of stimulation, but it's interesting conversely, (laughs) and perhaps counterintuitively, we would think, it also wants to pull in more of that information simply because it perceives that whoever the owner of the physical vehicle, aka the body is, that it needs that information. Again, it's just the differences in physiological design individually on the planet. The issue becomes, if you have a body that has a trait of high sensitivity, is that because of the lower threshold of stimulation, when your body pulls in that three-fourths of a container of energetic information, and your body, say, for instance, holds maybe half a container's worth of energetic information at any point in time, what are you going to do with that extra fourth? (laughs) What will happen is that the body will say, 
oh, wow, hmm, yeah, what am I going to do with this extra quarter, one-fourth of information that the body is kind of, I know that I'm supposed to give this to you, but at the same time, a different part of the body says, whoa, 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 I'm kind of on overload. I, I don't like this much information. And that part of the body, the threshold stimulator, if you will, will start giving alarm signals. And it will start giving you, the inhabitant of the body, different sort of alarm signals because it perceives that it's on overload. So you might get things like claustrophobia, you might start to have a racing brain, even more so than usual. You might start to have blurred vision, you might start to have something that feels kind of like an anxiety attack. And as much as possible, and I'll put a link into the Highly Sensitive Person website that I follow, that I think is just really, really brilliant, that it actually has a self-quiz in there that you all can take to see if you may identify as having a body that has the trait of high sensitivity. These alarm signals will kind of feel like an attack. And you, without knowing what's going on, will say, oh my God, I feel just really funny and awkward today and I just don't like this and I have, I just feel really uncomfortable and I feel kind of vulnerable and I don't really understand what's going on. The key is to understand and probably a little bit more accurately accept that you have a body that has a trait of high sensitivity. Once you understand that about and accept that about how your body functions on this planet, it's so much easier when the body starts to give you these alarm signals to go, oh, that's right, I had a really busy day at work, and now I have a date uh, with someone that I really would like to get to know better, and this is maybe like our second or maybe even third date. I'm not really sure how this is going, and oh gosh, and I have that meeting going on tomorrow of this project that I've been working on for the last six months, and my mother called. <laughs> so you can see it doesn't necessarily have to come from one particular place, it can come from a number of different sources and the body will still just interpret it as energetic information. And if you have a body that has a trait of high sensitivity, another perhaps identifier, and you all probably know how I feel about things like astrological signs and things like that. I think those are really important blueprints to use in support of, okay, so this is an identifier for me, but it doesn't, it's, I don't, it's not meant to be a box. I don't want you to put yourself in a box and say, well, you know, I have the trait of high sensitivity. I'm supposed to react this way, or I'm a Cancer, or I'm a Scorpio, or I'm an Aries, or whatever that happens to be. I look at those things as simply data and simply information that you might look at it and say, oh, that's right, that's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that does resonate with me. So that you kind of do this call and response with your own physical body, that being the thing that gives you most of the information, if not all of the information you're ever going to possibly need on this planet. 
And you can respond to those identifiers in hopefully a thoughtful way. And just as an aside and a PS, all animals on the planet naturally have the trait of high sensitivity. That's what makes them so good at energy. That's what makes them masters of the language of energy. Because that's, that's kind of all they know. They don't necessarily know the alphabet. They don't necessarily know math. They don't know science. They don't know religion. They don't know any of these kind of, if you will, separate languages that humans have set up for ourselves to kind of interpret um, these fields of energy that we sense them around us because our bodies are, by design, are meant to give us this information. But where animals kind of have the lead is that they interact directly with those fields of energy without identifying or defining or any of those things. And so it goes with the trait of high sensitivity. And so as an empath on this planet, in the field of metaphysics, there is a preconception, I guess I would have to say, about how empaths, if you will, function. And there are people who are fond of saying that empaths are sponges and we just simply soak up what other people, mm, not necessarily throw off onto us, but there's a little bit of a, dare I say, my, my perception, victimization of people with the trait of high sensitivity and or impasse and that, oh my God, I just soak it all up and I just don't have any control over that. Nothing, again, my perception could be further from the truth. And I thought it was interesting because you all know how I like throwing animals in there. They're really good at making us aware of things about ourselves that maybe we don't want to take a look at. And I'll put a link into this website, and I'll be quoting from this particular website all about sponges. And it's interesting because the modern sponge in our kitchens and bathrooms were, are named after quote-unquote natural sponges, which in fact are living animals that have been harvested and widely used as long ago as the 8th century BC. And we use them for bathing and for cleaning, as well as in medical practices such as assisting in healing to cooler or warm or comfort a body part. People of the same ilk, such as our friend Aristotle, suggested that the best sponge for tasks was one that is compressible and squeezable, but not sticky, and holds great quantities of water in its canals and expels it out when compressed. There are over 6,000 species of sponges. Most live in the marine environment, although there are also freshwater sponges. Sponges are classified in the phylum Porifera, and the word porifera comes from the Latin words P-O-R-E and ferre, F-E-R-R-E, meaning to bear, meaning pore bearer. And so this is a reference to the numerous pores or holes on a sponge's surface. They're relatively simple, multi-celled animals. They don't have tissues or organs like some animals do. Rather, they have specialized cells to perform necessary functions. And so each of these cells have a job. 
Some are in charge of digestion, some reproduction, some bringing in water so the sponge can filter feed. It's pretty interesting. They range from under half an inch to over 11 feet in length. I had no idea. They can weigh up to approximately 20 pounds and their lifespan can be up to 2,300 years. They're carnivores. And I think that as empaths, we often perceive, again, perceive equals reality, that we're, we're kind of we're kind of at, you know, the disposal of the universe and of the planet, and we can't really do anything about that. And here's what I would offer. If you not necessarily get stuck in that place where you're perceiving that you're a sponge, and maybe if you do perceive that you're kind of stuck in that place of perceiving that you're a quote-unquote sponge, either at work, at home, that there's a lot going on. And because you have, I perceive, kind of a kind of a superpower in being able to sense and to feel what's going on in the environment around you, again, I think that's an asset. It certainly is an asset for me. Does that mean that sometimes... I also have a body that gets to overload and gives me more information than what I perceive I need? Absolutely, yes. But this is where the thinking about it and the being aware of it will really be the key. And I also perceive that as empaths, while On a soul level, I do perceive that we have made a choice. We have made a choice in choosing to incarnate on this planet at this particular point in time. We have also made a choice about the kind of vehicle into which we chose to incarnate. And most of us chose to incarnate into these delightfully sensitive vehicles wherein we can get the information we need in order to facilitate healing, at least for me, for the rest of the planet and the people and beings um, in experience in of whom come into my particular experience. And at the same time, we can abdicate our choices about how we respond. And just because your body brings you in some information doesn't mean you have to act on it. Doesn't mean you have to respond to it. It's so much better if you can do as the animals do and not be a sponge and to simply note it as data and as information and say, hmm, wow, yeah, that's a pretty intense feeling for me. Oh, yeah, I can see what that's triggering. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, but I've got all this other stuff going on. Well, what are my choices? How can I choose to respond in different ways to these different things? And even more importantly, do I have to respond to any of these things that are coming in? Because kind of a different facet of being an empath on the planet is that at least unconsciously, I think for some of us, 
we we feel that we do want to be a service on the planet. We do want to help people. And we can kind of run afoul of that kind of natural tendency because we kind of lose focus on the bigger picture. And most importantly, we lose focus on, is this in my highest and best good? You have to come first. That's really, really important. And every single animal on the planet would say to you, well, of course you have to come first. That's the only way you can possibly get to collective awareness. Which I know sounds counterintuitive, but if you think about it, every single being in animal experience on the planet understands, accepts, and actively asserts who they are in that individual experience. And because of that, they also see through to the other side of, oh, that's right. This is who I am in this experience as it relates to every single other being and whatever experience they happen to be on this particular planet. And yes, I know that that may feel overwhelming and seem overwhelming, yet that is the space that they hold every single day, every single moment. Because they're just that good. They're just that good at energy. So the next time you feel yourself acting as sponge, I think it's good to do some detective work. I think it's good to back it up, ask those emotions and those feelings to just put themselves on hold for just a little bit and do some thinking about a particular situation. Taking note of how you feel and what information your body is giving to you. Remember, your body will never, ever lie to you. It's incapable of lying to you. Because its only prerogative, its only mission on the planet is to keep you happy and healthy for as long as possible. So all of these like little negative emotions that I think as humans were like, oh yeah, that's stress. And we have whole industries now related to removing stress. Animals simply turn away from that. They simply understand, acknowledge, and honor the body saying, yeah, no, this doesn't, this doesn't work for you. It's, this is not a good situation for you. Let's turn away from this situation. And especially heading into the holiday season, and especially during a pandemic, I would invite all the empaths out there to stop acting as sponges. Stop being a sponge. Understand that as light being here on the planet, and although you might be in a body that has the trait of high sensitivity and therefore a lower threshold of stimulation, you are by design armed with an amazing array of information and data points that come to you all of the time. I invite you to take note of them. Write them down if you need to. Have kind of back and forth conversation with yourself as if you were your very best friend so that you can get a better picture of any given situation and what's going on 
And it's so interesting because the moment that you do that, the body goes, oh, thank you. They are paying attention. And so then the body goes, okay, good. I, I can let go of that information and that data. Your body wants you to talk to it and have conversations about, hmm, yeah, this is interesting information. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty overwhelmed right now. And more accurately, my body is feeling pretty overwhelmed right now. Because again, animals don't seek out deliberately stressful situations because their body tells them, no, you don't want to be in this kind of high stress situation (laughs) kind of on a continual basis because that's not good for the body. And the body wants you to be here on the planet for as long as you're capable. And I'm sure sponges would probably be, (laughs) frankly, really surprised if they were to know, and now they do know because we are talking about it, how other beings on the planet kind of look at them and kind of perceive them to be vessels of other information and vessels for other people's thoughts and emotions. And I think they would frankly reject that because even a sponge would say, you're only supposed to take on what is meant for you and what is in your highest and best good. And I'm semi-porous because I choose to get rid of everything that doesn't serve my highest and best good and isn't meant to be in the experience of sponge. You as an empath and you as a being in human experience, you have the ability to make those choices. So I invite you to make them at least That's how the animals see it. Thanks for listening today. Leave a review if you're so inspired and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. I offer all new clients a free 15-minute consultation. Reach out if you think I can be of service via www.lizanneflynn.com. Come and find me on social media, Facebook, Twitterverse, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Sign up for my quarterly newsletter on my website where I also post notices for upcoming events such as new classes and online psychic fairs. And speaking of which, there will be an online psychic fair the first Saturday in December from 11.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. By the end of this week, I will be posting on my online scheduling app, the 20-minute sessions that you can sign up for, a maximum of two at $1.50 a minute to participate in the online psychic fair. It works really well. We connect either via phone or via video chat. So take a look at that if that's something that interests you. And this will be my last podcast for this season. I'll be starting over again, season one, right around the solstice in December. And it looks like that falls on probably December the 17th, which is just shortly before the winter solstice. So please be safe. Take very, very good care of yourselves. This has been the Animal's Eye View podcast. I'll see you next time.